0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Frank Reich has been fired. Joe Mixon just scored again. The Jaguars won. The Bengals won. It's Victory Monday here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast with Nick Whalen and I coming up next hey everybody welcome to the rotowire fantasy football top 10 reactions uh podcast here for jeff erickson with nick whalen as always our podcast is brought to you by the good folks at knowhouseadvantage.com we'll tell you how to enjoy their product and momentarily, but Nick, we're going to start off. We have a coach firing right off the top, and for once, the news happened before we started our podcast. Frank Reich has been fired by the Colts. Just an ugly game yesterday mm-hmm. in Foxborough. Not, not surprisingly uh, an ugly game. I think everyone saw, kind of saw it coming, but still, uh, it just caps off what's been a brutal season for the Colts.
2: Yeah, a, a brutal season for the Colts, like you said, going in. I don't think anybody looked at this as a, a good spot for Sam Ellinger. Uh, and the Colts, but I think this one even worse than the Colts expected. And, and that's part of the reason now, uh, that they're parting ways with Frank Reich. And then they, they've not officially tabbed an interim coach yet. We'll see where they go, uh, with that direction, but O of 14 on third down yesterday. O of two on fourth downs literally did not con- convert a single third or fourth down. They had, uh, you know, 121 total yards on 60 plays run. This is one of those games where the type of possession battle was actually relatively close um, you know, the, the Colts were able to, you know, get a ton of possessions in this game. The defense, I actually thought, played relatively well. You hold New England scoreless in the first quarter. It's only 13-0 at half. Um, you know, New England was able to pile on some points in the fourth quarter. But, uh, I, I mean, this was just a, a complete no-show by this offense. And we knew it yeah. would be a bad matchup for Sam Ellinger, but I, I, think, I think even the Colts had a little more internal optimism uh, than, than how it ended up looking.
1: Yeah. I, I'm going to save this for like my last rewatch when I do uh, the rewatch of all the games. I, there were, it was only 326, 324 total yards of offense combined mm-hmm. between the two teams combined brutal, just a terrible, ugly game. You know, Colts D de- I mean, the Colts defense was fine, but as you alluded to the uh, third and fourth down efficiency, just awful, just awful. Mm-hmm. Eight first downs all day time of possession doesn't matter when it's lousy time of possession. Um, I think that's really what it is. Here. Exactly. But, I almost feel like this was set up to fail. Like this is almost purposeful tank. When you switch to Ellinger like this, I, I guess Matt Ryan's hurt anyhow. So it kind of was this impetus when you say, okay, we're going to switch to him for the rest of the season. I almost feel like they don't mind slipping into uh, you know, deep tank mode here to try to get one of these top quarterbacks coming out of the draft, whether it's Stroud or young or someone mm-hmm. else.
2: Yeah. I, I think that's the direction that they're, they're heading. And I, I think it's kind of an acknowledgement in some ways that, that's where they're heading. I think they wanted to see what they had with Sam Mellinger. Yeah. I think they hoped there would be a little bit more of a spark. I, I was, you know, somewhat encouraged uh, you're grading on the curve here by what we saw for Mellinger uh, for most of last week's game against the commanders. But I think this was a pretty stark reminder uh, of where the Colts truly stand here. And they're sitting at three, five and one. I mean, there, there are teams, there's teams in their own division uh, that, that might have a, a better inside track to getting that top pick in the 2023 NFL draft. But this is not necessarily one of those drafts where there's one singular prize. So I think if you're the Colts, you're you're okay with, you know, if you're in like the top six to eight, that probably gets you a chance uh, at grabbing one of those quarterbacks, but uh, they'll see what they have in Sam Ellinger, I think for the final eight games of the season, but unless he really turns things around and and shows something special, which seems pretty unlikely, uh, I think you're right. I think they're going to be one of those teams that uh, finally at long last, um, you know, is going to look for a quarterback in the draft instead of these, these kind of patchwork options, they've been trying year after year
1: yeah because i I think it's one thing that's been made abundantly clear is you need i mean you can win with a caretaker quarterback but it's very difficult there's there's few and Mm -hmm. far instances between where a a mediocre quarterback can win the super bowl and you know i I also think you have to question this whole the the rest of the roster is ready i think the offensive line's a mess um i you know i think the receiver room might be okay but it's hard to tell um but, you know, the fact of the matter is this is now a bottom five offense almost. And, you know, you see it. See this. Uh, what happened yesterday? I know they didn't have Jonathan Taylor. we were expecting decent things out of Deion Jackson. That didn't materialize. Nothing materialized. That was. That's the issue. I mean, when, when Alec Pierce leads them in receiving yards with 23. I mean, I think that, that that's your sign right there.
2: Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, and neither team really could run the ball in this game um you know 28 carries for 70 yards for the new england patriots 22 for 78 uh for Indiana i think that's the big thing they wanted to see right with with ellinger yeah. is like can you unlock the running game whether it's sam ellinger himself who was the colts leading rusher in this game uh but i think they expected there to, to to be you know somewhat some sort of different component here that uh matt ryan was not bringing to the offense and and so far i mean yeah you've you played a good defense in new england you can't feel too terrible about this but Um, you know, this offense looks just as stuck in the mud as it did with Matt Ryan. So I I think that's really disappointing. And I I think ultimately, um, you know, that's what kind of spelled the downfall here for Frank, Wright. Yeah.
1: Nine sacks in this game. There's the pick six. Yeah. Just ugly all around there. Um, amazing. They didn't fumble, uh, through all that (laughs) there. Very true. Very
2: true. Matthew Judon, by the way, three more sacks in this game. He leaves the NFL in total sacks uh very quietly it feels like putting together a a fairly strong defensive player of the year case at the midway point
1: yeah i think if you have the pats uh pats defense as your defense special teams week 10 is going to be tough because they're on bye. yeah can you hold on to a second defense through the bye week it it can be tricky uh Mm -hmm. it's jets and pats and ravens and Bengals this week so uh we'll, we'll watch and see on that one there uh any other takeaways from the new england side of things well, you mentioned the defense
2: special teams. Like I have Nick Folk in one league. It feels like every week he's giving me fifteen plus points. This team takes a ton of field goals. It feels like in a year where every team, especially teams with these young coaches, are going forward on fourth down, they're avoiding kicking field goals at all costs. The Patriots feel like they go into every drive hoping that they could just kick like a twenty three yard field goal. And week after week, I mean Nick Folk, he's now the uh he's the kicker three in yeah. fantasy uh thus far. He's actually tied for 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 kicker two with Ryan Suckup of Tampa Bay only Jason Myers ranks ahead of him uh, in terms of total fantasy points thus far
1: I'm impressed that yeah you you know that uh because and it's not Tucker it's not McPherson who Mm -hmm. missed another one yesterday um yeah it's it's guys that almost went undrafted Nick Folk went you know was drafted but Myers probably wasn't even drafted especially because everyone thought the Seattle Mm -hmm. offense was gonna be a dumpster fire so it's kind of funny uh you know it's, it. Everybody that says forget about kickers until the last round is feeling pretty darn validated right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, Nick Folk is basically like the Frank Gore of kickers right now. He's like, he's not blowing you away. Nobody's claiming he's the best kicker in the league, but he,
1: he's a compiler. Mm-hmm. That's true. That is absolutely right. The week started with the Eagles uh, beating the Texans in a game that their own city didn't even watch a whole lot of because it was up against the World Series at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a taking care of business sort of win, 29-17. It's tied at halftime in this one here. Uh, the cover was really all pretty much lined up for Houston most of the way. Davis Mills, couple killer interceptions in this one. Eagles defense, they weren't amazing. I mean, Eagles offense wasn't amazing. Hurts actually got sacked four times, uh, but they did enough to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did enough to win, but none of the three triple-digit
2: favorites this weekend ended up covering, right? No. So Philly, Philly doesn't cover a number that I think close around 14. By the time game time came around and we found out that Brandon Cooks wouldn't be available, uh, obviously last night Kansas City did not cover that spread against Tennessee and of course the Buffalo Bills end up losing outright uh, yeah. at the New York Jets. So uh, another rough week for the heavy favorites uh, ATS and you know this one to me never quite felt like Philadelphia had a chance to actually lose this game, but you know ha- had a sloppy turnover uh, early on. Houston came out I think with a lot more energy than anybody expected. I mean Damian Pierce 27 for 139 in this game. This game didn't get in the end zone, so it didn't end up being, you know, a monster fantasy night for him. But right. this is one of the better performances that Houston's put together all year. Uh, a 12-point loss to the Eagles, like for a team that's 1-6-1, and one, uh, th- this this felt like a, a fairly encouraging performance at a spot where, especially after the Cooks thing materialized, you're thinking like, oh boy, this, this could end up being a disaster type of night, but they went down, you know, they, they scored first in this game, set the tone with that first nine play touchdown drive. And from then on, I mean, it was, it was a competently played game by the Houston Texans, which is not something that we've been able to say about this team all that often.
1: Right. The thing with Pierce is he, he got all those rushing yards, but he didn't get in the end zone and he didn't even get a single target. Yeah. Uh, and that that's, there are weeks where he does, but he's not, you know, that, that there, there's a certain limitation to his ceiling.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, you know, had he gotten the end zone in this game, I think we we view it a little bit differently sure. uh, you know, watching this live. I was doing the show. You were you were underway to Arizona for first pitch. Uh, hopefully we'll cover that at some point. Uh, but I'm doing the show with Alan and there are multiple times where we're, we're watching this game. Like I have no idea who caught that pass for the Houston yeah. Texans like Philip Dorsett. Chris Moore ends up leading the team in receptions. Uh, you know, uh, where was it? Tegan Quatoriano had a yeah. catch. I had a touchdown, in fact. Uh, in the first half of this game, that that sent us to, into a complete tizzy on XM. None of us had ever heard of that guy, um, so it, it was kind of an all hands on deck performance by the Texans. And you know, for the Eagles, it, it reminded me a lot of of the Bills uh, two weeks ago against the Packers, where like they knew there was almost no chance that they could actually lose this game. It was more of a question of like what kind of effort level are we going to bring for sixty minutes? And I don't know. I thought Philly played okay. You know, they could play their B B minus game and
1: still beat a team like Houston by double digits. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So uh, yeah, now they get a Monday night game, another island game, back-to-back island games for them. Home game against the Commanders, pretty big game. Uh, And they get, you know, 10 days to rest. They get the Baltimore rest period here, which, Mm -hmm. by the way, Baltimore didn't really benefit from that because all the guys that got hurt aren't playing. But uh, we'll see. Uh, You know, pretty decent schedule for them. Houston goes to the Giants this week. Giants have a nice little schedule, passing Mm -hmm. schedule. They get uh, Houston and then Detroit the next two weeks.
2: Yeah, got to love that for the Giants. Uh, you mentioned the Eagles. Uh, you know they get the Commanders uh, next Monday night, a week from tonight. You, you like their chances there at home. They're at the Colts, the post Frank Wright Colts, uh, the, the week after that, uh, and then you know home for a Packers team that looks like it might be one of the five or six worst teams in the NFL right now. I think you lose to Detroit, you can lose to anybody. So uh, you kind of circle that Titans game uh, on December fourth. You're looking at that Giants game, and of course the rematch with the Cowboys, but. I don't know. We, we, keep, we keep kind of checking in on the Eagles week to week, and the, the path, if they want it, the path to potentially pushing for an undefeated regular season is there. I mean, the, you don't have the Bills, you don't have the Chiefs, you don't have, uh, you know, you already played the Vikings earlier in the season. I mean, there's, there's just not a ton of of obvious spots where they get tripped up, but it is the NFL and, you know, you feel like something's going to happen at some point here. Um, like, to you, Do the Eagles really feel like that level of team? To me, it reminds me of, like I think, was it three or four years ago, didn't the Steelers Start like twelve and zero, and the whole time you're like, no, yeah, this yep. is, yeah, you're like, this is a good
1: team, but I, I don't really feel like they're they're quite on that level. So I think that the Eagles are better than that Steelers team. Yes, yes, but I don't feel it's like the Pats when they were just sure. destroying destroying exactly. worlds. Um, it's it, it's it's definitely a better team than that Steelers team, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it yes, the schedule does line up perfectly. They're going to be, I think, underdogs in one game, if that, at Dallas later this year. On uh, yeah, you know, their schedule sets up really nicely otherwise there uh we mentioned off the top it is victory monday so let's celebrate that uh before we do that though and talking Jacksonville and the uh, raiders quick note from our sponsors on the blue wire network
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
1: All of our podcasts are on the Blue Wire Network. We appreciate them, so that's why we play their ads. All right, it's Jaguars win Monday, and it didn't look like it was going to be the case. Nate, uh, Nick, God, Nate, jeez, Nate, much. Sorry, man. <laughs> I don't know what is going on with me today. They were down seventeen, nothing to the Jaguar, the Jaguars to the Raiders. Mm-hmm. You're like, ugh, what's going on here? But then, if there's a team that's even more predictable, you like, we say, oh, I can see this turning around. Then the Jaguars, it's the Raiders. Mm-hmm. The Raiders are just oh so frustrating yeah. if you're a fan.
2: Yeah, this one looked like it was going to be you know a huge blowout in favor uh, of of the LA or the Las Vegas Raiders. Like you said, seventeen nothing at one point. Uh, this is the third seventeen point lead the Raiders have blown already this season. That is tied for the NFL record. Uh, I, I have no words. I mean, I was watching this game. I. You know, I, I bet on the Raiders. I kind of closed the book on this one. I, I just assumed that it was game over. The Raiders would, you know, run this clock out in the second half, and we'd be on our way. And back come the Jaguars. I mean, they have not yeah. showed this kind of fight uh, in in a long, long time. I believe this snapped an eight game losing streak in one score games. Uh, they're just a team that you just you never trust. You know, once they get punched, they they very rarely find a way to punch back. But uh, playing the Raiders, that changes things. I mean, this was a disastrous second half. For the Raiders who had, you know, Devontae Adams, almost all of his production came in the first half, ripped off a yeah. couple long plays. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs ran well, especially compared to last week. Uh, you know, Jags did a good job containing him in the second half. But the biggest thing for me, I bet I've been very hard on Trevor Lawrence the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think this is pretty easily the best game of his career. And, you know, 235 and one touchdown. Statistically, he's had better games, but decision making wise, accuracy wise, this was easily the best he's looked this season for sure. And and obviously there's not a a ton of positives from the 2021 campaign, but I I was really, really impressed with Trevor Lawrence, especially after the start to this game where, you know, he was responsible for the Jags first turnover, kind of a a pitch play that looked like it was more on Lawrence than the running back.
1: Yeah. And I think time and again, the Jaguars are much better off when they ask Lawrence to be a caretaker quarterback. Yes. Um, If, if he, if he reverts to hero ball, that's when you're in trouble. That's when uh, you know he starts making these mistakes. He's not a generational quarterback. That's okay, as long as you realize this. He's mm-hmm. Alex Smith. He's not Justin Herbert. Um, and exactly. Alex Smith can be a good player. He's he's, but he's just you can't ask him to make the big throws. You can't ask him to do that. And once you start mm-hmm. doing that, especially maybe maybe you get a, an elite all worldwide receiver for him, and it's a little bit different. And maybe Calvin Ridley will be it. We'll see. Uh, you know, the thing is. He doesn't have that. He Jamar Chase isn't walking through that door. Uh, and until you have that, you can't ask him to make those type of throws.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he was making those throws today, but he hasn't done it consistently enough uh, where you can ask that to, to really be the game plan. And, right. you know, as we talked about on XM all week, the volume with Travis Etienne is going to be there. I, I'm concerned about... You know, the, the kind of workload that they're going to ask him to shoulder. But Me I mean, this is the second week in a row where it's like borderline comical how much they're using him. Like you, it's just if you're within the red zone, like we're just going to keep handing it to him until he finds his way in. And that worked this week. 28 carries for 109 yards on not, a not great Raiders defense for ETN. So, I mean, for fantasy, it's ideal. I, I just I is he going to make it to week 18? I hope so. Um, but you got to ride this, I think, as long as you can, because it's going to be a gold mine just just given how much they're force feeding him.
1: Yeah, I would rather they throw to him a little bit more rather than having him run into the middle of the pile. But, you know, in 28 carries uh, against a pretty decent run defense there. Uh, But, hey, that was a formula that worked for the Jaguars yesterday. Again, then that makes play action a lot more effective. You know, they they connect in a lot of intermediate and short throws, Mm -hmm. and that is what they need to do to win. Um, exactly.
2: Exactly. Two only two pass plays uh, that went for more than twenty yards. I mean, it, it's a it's a, a lot of you know eight to twelve yard plays. That's where Lawrence really thrives accuracy wise. And Lawrence, by the way, six carries for fifty three yards in this game. That's something that I, I think is an underrated yeah, part of his agree. game. I mean, he's not he's he's not Jalen Hurts, but you know he's also not Tom Brady. Like he's he's an above average running quarterback. I I think that's something that needs to become a bigger part of that offense because that was, that was part of the package, you know, with, with him coming out of Clemson is, you know, this guy like, yeah, he, he, you know, he's got ideal size. He's he's good accuracy. Obviously that hasn't quite lived up to the hype in the NFL, but you know, he could move too. And mm-hmm. you know, they used him a ton in those, those read option style plays at Clemson. And you see it every now and then with the Jags, but I, I'd like to, I'd like to see that become more of a point of emphasis for Doug Peterson.
1: I agree. I absolutely agree there. We saw the revival of Christian Kirk's value eight for 76 yep. in the touchdown, the touchdown matters a lot, but uh, still it, it, it gets them all the way over the top there mm-hmm. for a good week. Uh, other than that, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of offensive fireworks. ETN gets his though. And that's nice to know. Uh, Devontae Adams was carving him up in the first half. One of those plays seemed like a, uh, you know, one of those, uh, the second touchdown seemed a little bit of like a blown coverage.
2: Oh, big time. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: But I mean, the fact is he was running great routes. He, he was causing coverages to get blown. 17 targets suffice to say he's healthy and not dealing with that illness anymore.
2: Yeah, this was a huge bounce back spot for Devante Adams. Um, You know, not surprising. I guess you, you kind of felt like there's no way the Raiders could come out that flat uh, two weeks in a row. And, you know, they stayed out on the East coast. You don't, you don't really worry too much about the travel. Um, And again, you know, at halftime, all indications were that the Raiders, even after letting up a late touchdown, um, we're just going to keep rolling. I mean, hitting big plays, like you said, you know, collapses in that Jag secondary, over and over, Devontae Adams running wide open, converted a couple big third downs, and it just it just shut down in the second yeah. half. And you know, it, it's one thing for for the Jaguars to have you know these letdown games; they've certainly had their fair share this year. But uh, they're also a young, developing team that nobody really thought would be that good. I mean, the, the Raiders, man, this is this is really disastrous. Um, you know, I mean, disastrous move by by Devonte Adams. It feels like to go there. It's it's been equally disastrous for Green Bay. I, I don't think anybody saw this working out. So poorly for both sides. It feels like both have come out losers here.
1: Yeah, they have. Um, Bakers Raiders are now two and six, oh, and five on the road, by the way, too. Just, just awful. Uh, they, but guess what? They face the Colts and another one of those Spider Man gift games there where they're, they're, they're both the same team. So (sighs) they are.
2: Yeah, they really are. I mean, I, the Raiders at this point, they're they're kind of in that same bucket with the Packers. And I, I think the Rams are in there. And even even after yesterday, the Bucs are still very much in there. Like those teams, you look at the talent and you think there's no way they can lose to Team X. Like they can't, they can't possibly lose to the commanders. They can't lose to the Colts. They can't lose to the Lions. Those teams could lose to anybody at this yeah. point. So it, on paper, it still feels like a good spot. You're catching the Colts after a, a coach firing, which by the way, they just announced they're hiring Jeff Saturday. As their interim coach, who I don't believe has any coaching experience, he's he's working as a consultant for the team and coaching a, a local high school team. Uh, so he's just stepping in sure. now, I guess, for the rest of the year. Why, Why not?
1: not? Yeah, yeah. That, what could possibly go wrong? This reminds me of like Robin Ventura coaching the uh, managing the White <laughs> Sox there, and that didn't go very well either. Yeah, but, but then again, it's interim basis only. So interesting though that that's where they're going with there. Yeah, he been, he has the ear of Ursa for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess that that's kind of the case uh jaguars uh, on the other hand uh they aren't playing the germany games Shockingly enough they don't have two mm-hmm. homes away from home uh yeah, instead, i'm sure they tried yeah uh they're on the road to kansas city i think they'd rather play in germany but
2: <sighs> yeah that, that might be one where maybe you just fly to germany and, and then you skip the game and just take the forfeit um we'll see i mean the titans put up more of a fight than we thought against the chiefs obviously the titans are a better team than jacksonville but th- this feels like a pretty good spot uh you would think for KC at home to we've seen this a couple times now you know these good teams that you know they, they find a way to win but it's not all that convincing um and maybe this can lead us into our next game like i thought last week we would get you know this huge bounce back spot for buffalo thought they played okay didn't really play that well against green bay it's like all right we're gonna crush the jets big time letdown uh, i do- don't necessarily yeah. see the jags pulling that off at arrowhead next week but uh you never know it's gonna be a big spread and uh, again, it feels like every time we're seeing these like 12, 13, 14 point spreads, uh, we get a much more interesting game than the odds makers would imply.
1: Yeah, it certainly is the case. Let's talk about that Buffalo Jets game. Uh all along, I kept on thinking, okay, well, the Jets mm-hmm. aren't gonna cover, but they're still gonna pull, you know, catch this. Oh, okay, squeaky win. We didn't play our best. No, they lost. They straight up lost. Josh Allen got sacked five times, through two, mm-hmm. through two interceptions. This is he's actually sneakily turning the ball over quite a bit this year.
2: Yeah, he is, and uh, another really bad interception uh, deep in Jets territory on the first possession of the game. It feels like he's done that two or three times this mm-hmm. year. Just you know, kind of scrambling around. Just you just got to throw the ball away and take the points, um, especially in in a game that you know ends up being decided by three. But uh, you know, through another bad interception early in the second half. To me, though, you know this Buffalo defense led up a fourteen or excuse me, a thirteen play drive in the fourth quarter that ran yeah. off more than six minutes. Of clock and ended up putting them in a really bad spot uh you know needing a score with under two minutes left I, not being able to get stops against Zach Wilson that to me is more surprising we saw Buffalo play really sloppy on offense for the second week in a row they, they've shown that they can do that um but I'm with you I this, this felt like one of those games that you keep checking the score and you're like all right eventually the bills are gonna snap to it here take care of business and all of a sudden it's the end of the third quarter all of a sudden it's 10 minutes left then it's five minutes left Then it's two right. minutes left you're like oh my God, I kind of lost track of time here. Like, they're actually going to pull this off. And, you know, you look at Zach Wilson's line, not fantastic, 18 to 25, 154 at a touchdown. Looked like he might have, was going to leave this game due to injury for a bit, ends up staying in. Um, But the ground game for the Jets, 174 rushing yards on this Bills defense. Um, You got to tip your cap to the Jets. Buffalo just was not prepared.
1: Which is weird because Aaron Jones ran all over him on Sunday night. And you would think that the Jets noticed that and... Did that, you know, but, you know, Buffalo is still trying to figure out their secondary. Tredavious White's coming back. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think, is Matt, did Matt Milano miss this game? I think he did, right? And I think that was actually a pretty big yeah. loss for them. Uh I wonder if that had something to do with it too. So they're still trying to figure all the pieces and, and where they fit. But uh I, I think this is one of those, in any given week in the NFL, you can look a little average. The Buffalo did that last year. Of course it cost them. They had that stretch that made them the third seed and not the first, or top two seed. So they right. had to face the chiefs in the second round of the playoffs and in, arrowhead, no less. And I think if you could rewrite history, if you play that game in, uh, in Buffalo, probably a different result. I think so. Yeah. Uh,
2: I mean, it, it's, it's just one of those games though. I mean, much like the, the, the Miami game early on where it's, you know, going into this week listen to a lot of pods, read a lot of articles. And it's like, you know, a lot of people saying, I don't think Buffalo loses again. Where does the loss come like this team? I mean, the letdowns are like their lows are really low, yeah. lower than than you'd like them to be um, for a team that's clearly this talented. And I, I still believe, you know, when they're firing on all cylinders, they are the best team in the league. But, you know, I mean, the Jets are a talented team. I, I think we do lose track of that at times, um, you know, kind of looking back on like that win over Green Bay. It's like the Jets might just be a better team. Like they might just have more talent. Uh, especially with the way that, that guys like Garrett Wilson are stepping up and obviously before the Brees Hall injury. But you know, if, if you're Buffalo and you want to be talked about in that breath as like we we just want to pencil this team into the AFC championship game, I mean, you just you can't have no shows like this. Right. I mean, Josh Allen has just looked like a very, I wouldn't say average quarterback, but again, his lows the last couple of weeks have been very, very low. You cannot get away with those kind of sloppy interceptions multiple weeks in a row. It's it's just very,
1: very un Josh Allen like. Agreed, and maybe, uh, yeah, and I think that you know he's still above average, but yeah, it makes his lows are low, like you said. He makes he makes these mistakes. Uh, Devin Singletary eight for twenty four. Naeem Hines, all that talk. What a perfect fit. He got one target now. Maybe he gets worked in a little bit more as uh, as the season I, progresses. But he only played three snaps in this game, which I, I thought yeah. was
2: odd. Like clearly he was available, but not really available.
1: Yeah, they host the the Vikings next week, so mm. could be a very sa- a saucy game there. We'll see about that. Uh, before I move on, a uh, quick note from our title sponsor. That is uh, the, that is No House Advantage. Uh, no House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Plan pick pick 'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of dollars every week. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks, bet up on up to five player prop over-unders and individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code NHA Wire. That's N-H-A-W-I-R-E at NohouseAdvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not how you play but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. All right. It is Victory Monday. Let's talk a little bit about my Bengals. Uh, I got to say, Nick, I was not that optimistic going into this game. I thought that it it opened at 8.5 and and then got bet down to 7.5, and Mm -hmm. and I still thought, oh, Carolina keeps this within a touchdown. That, uh, that, That analysis was incorrect pretty damn quick in this game.
2: Yeah, I, I took Carolina to cover seven and a half in staff picks. I, I didn't really think Cincinnati could lose this game. And, you know, all week we talked about, like, how much do you really weigh what we saw from the Bengals uh, in primetime against the Browns? It was that bad. It was it was such a jarringly bad performance on offense that yeah. it, it truly makes you kind of reassess what you think of a team. Uh, and boy, did they did they respond here. 35-0 at the half. Um, I, I feel like there's been so few games that have followed anything close to this game script all year. Like, how many times have you gone into a half saying, I know for sure which team is going to win this game. Like there's right. been, there's been like five games like that all year. If that, uh, and this was completely decided. I mean, it was game over a huge day from Joe Mixon. Um, I was playing golf actually during part of the early window. So I checked the score. I have Joe Burrow in a couple leagues. I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. Joe Burrow's probably got four touchdowns. Really not a huge day for him. Did, did get a rushing touchdown on a QB sneak, but right. uh, only 200 yards, only the one touchdown. I think when you glance and see the score, uh, you would expect bigger things, but this was really uh, about Joe Mixon. They finally started to get him going, ripped off some big plays, 153 yards, four touchdowns. You know, has four for 58 through the air and another score. Um, so, in some ways, it, it was an up and down game for fantasy. You know, very very up if you're a Joe Mixon owner. Uh, didn't see much from Deontay Foreman. Relatively disappointing day for both Higgins and Boyd. Just given the number of points that we saw from Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, yeah, but then again, it was just one of those rare game flow games. Where Mixon was creasing it a lot. Uh had a 29-yard run. I think that might be his longest of the season. Uh, you know, every time Carolina, every time he scored, Carolina jumped offside to begin with. There is weird. Like three times they jumped offside on his one of his rushing touchdowns. It's kind of crazy. Uh, but uh, you know, Burrow played 40 minutes in this game. They benched him with four minutes left to go in the third quarter. Uh, not benched him, but rested him. Uh, and you never see that. You just and that that's why. Higgins and Boyd are disappointing, though, too. Also, Mm -hmm. Boyd had a touchdown that got overruled. Or I guess I should say they upheld the original call, which was garbage. I should say that that's a better way of phrasing it there. But uh, in other words, Boyd should have had a touchdown on this one. Then all of a sudden he has a fine day. Higgins 7 for 60. Yeah, won't kill you. It's not not what you expected, but it's not killing you. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, Carolina couldn't get out of their own way offensively. Foreman 7 for 23. Uh, Nothing really in the passing game either. Two for negative two, actually. Uh, And P.J. Walker was just so bad. So, so bad. That was such a good, feel-good story. Uh, Best throw of the year against Atlanta and comes into Cincinnati. Three for ten for nine yards and two picks, including that back-breaking one before halftime. So bad. It led to Baker Mayfield getting the start in the second half.
2: Yeah, and it led to Baker Mayfield having easily his best half of football all year. Uh, Mayfield looked great in this game. Obviously, pressure's off. You know, you're down at that point you know i think it was 35-7 when he came in um or maybe even 42-7 yeah. but i thought Mayfield looked great and and suddenly we now go back to having like the saddest qb controversy of all time uh going on and sam darnold's coming off ir as well like i have no yeah. idea uh what carolina is going to do here at quarterback going forward i mean i, I don't think anybody ever looked at pj walker as the long term answer but it was a fun couple of weeks um i i don't know that there's a ton of upside And going back to Baker Mayfield, I mean, he's kind of feels like he already had his six or seven game chance at the beginning of the season. So uh, they're at a crossroads now they're home for the Falcons next week. And, That is the Thursday game, by the way.
1: Lucky us. Yeah. Panthers Falcons Thursday night,
2: baby. Get fired up. I think Uh, that's
1: a tradition. They usually have that game on a Thursday night. It's kind of like you get the Jacksonville.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Jags Titans, uh, Jags Houston, whoever it may be. Uh, But yeah, make sure you tune in to XM Thursday night. We'll be uh, we'll be ready to rock for that one. I think we're going to see Darnold at some point down the stretch here. Maybe as soon as Thursday. I, I would guess maybe they give him another week off of IR uh to, to get back in there. But it, it feels like they just have three really bad options at this point.
1: And then Matt Corral waiting in the wings to get while well, he's getting yes. healthy there too. Hey, well let's make it a Matt Corral week. It's t- <laughs> never too late for that. Can
2: he can he even come off IR this year? Like I, I think he's like done for the season, right? I think he might be. I yeah. think you're right. Yeah. Well we'll see. Twenty twenty three.
1: Yes, let's do it. All right. Um yeah and uh, it's so disappointing too for Walker because the Bengals are without Chidi Awuzie, uh, mm-hmm. you know that that's a big loss there. they were without DJ Reader. This was a really injury weakened. Uh, no Mike Mike Hilton in this one mm-hmm. as well. I mean they were really hurt by injury in this one. It didn't matter whatsoever.
2: There there was reason to believe that you know Carolina could hang around in this game based on, like you said the injury situation for Cincinnati. That's first and foremost. You know how how vulnerable that defense looked uh, against the run, especially uh, for a Carolina team that had been running the ball really well. It's previous couple of weeks. Um, you know, if Carolina could go beat Tampa by three scores, um, you know, they're absolutely capable of hanging around with the Bengals. But but yeah, like you said, I mean, this this is going to go down as I think the earliest a game has been decided all year. I, I don't know if it's going to be the biggest blowout in terms of uh, margin of victory. Certainly it will not. Uh, but yeah, this game was it, it felt like it was done by the end of the first quarter. So hat tip yeah. to the Bengals. You know, they're back.
1: And now they're on by. So yep. they get the, and go, go heal up. Uh, and we mentioned Carolina going to uh, hosting Atlanta, Atlanta had a lead, had a 10, nothing lead on the chargers and couldn't hold it. And it's a bizarre sequence to end this game and they, they, where they lost uh, the fumble to fumble, but it wasn't yeah, a fumble game uh, play. Uh, ultimately the chargers got the game winning field goal, one twenty to 17. Uh, what, what, what let's, let's start on the Atlanta side of things. Well, cause uh, let's get the, let's eat our vegetables before we get into the red meat here. Uh, There's still a running team first. Mariota's, he's just not good. It's just, he can't throw.
2: He cannot. And he missed Kyle Pitts on what would have been a game-winning touchdown late in this game. It just kind of felt like the hallmark Marcus Mariota play. um, You know, I mean, he, Kyle Pitts was wide open and it was a really great route by Pitts. And it didn't even have to be a perfect throw. Just kind of, you know, even, even a long reception, uh, you know, puts you in, in range for a field goal and you feel pretty good about your chances to potentially punch that in against this defense but that was a bad bad miss by Mariota and you know this was an ideal start like I was on the Falcons I bet on the Falcons in this game they get out to a 10 nothing lead uh, looks like the Chargers can't do anything on offense they go 3 and out right away um and then they rip off you know two long touchdown drives back to back 25 plays combined um you know it was it, it really was beating Atlanta through the air and I didn't know I didn't know if, if the Chargers would be able to do that down your top two receivers uh, but it was a huge day for Josh Palmer, DeAndre Carter got involved. Um you know Austin Eckler had seven catches but really didn't do a whole lot in this game. Only went for 24 yards but like you said of course we get the the most Chargers Falcons ending of all time. Um yeah. you know I mean not only not only did the Falcons literally just self fumble a ball where if you just go down you have possession and at the very least you're going to overtime uh but then they give up a long completion a- after getting that break. You know essentially it goes down as like a 30-yard loss. You're right on the edge of field goal range. If you have to kick it from there I mean, it's probably a 30% chance of making it at best. And, you know, all you have to do is just get one quick stop. And what do they do? You know, immediately allow a long completion and then it becomes a chip shot. I mean, it was, it was the most Falcons ending possible. And it was also the most Chargers ending possible.
1: And there, you know, there weren't many long completions. I mean, Herbert threw the ball 43 times for 245 yards. He threw a pick. Uh, It wasn't a command performance, but then again, who's he have to throw to? It's Palmer and Carter and Everett. Uh, Eckler, like you said, got set was had nine targets, twenty four yards receiving in the touchdown. Had that one play that almost was a touchdown, but it turns out his elbow did touch the ground. He should have had; otherwise, he would have had three touchdowns. But I I, I hesitate because I I was about to say should have, but no, there's no way he should have scored a touchdown on that play. It was as a a freak of athleticism that was even a question to whether he got Mm -hmm. down. Most people easily would have been down on that play. Um, but fourteen to forty seven on the ground. I mean, he didn't have that much room to operate. This is every yard that the chargers got felt like it. They really had to earn it.
2: Yeah. A hundred percent. I actually, I, the Atlanta defense played okay. I mean, let up a, a lot of big plays. Um, not, not in terms of yardage, but in terms of like, all right, we need to get a stop here type of plays yep, in the yep. second half could not get off the field, you know, and uh, allowed three drives of 10 plus plays, two drives of 14 plus plays um, and, and got bailed out, you know, a couple times with, with like the, the tip on the interception, you know, that, that late fumble play that, should not have resulted in that good of a field goal look. Um, and they also right. had a, a fumble inside the 10-yard line of the Chargers. You know, Drake London fighting for some extra yards yes. after a nice catch just gets the ball completely ripped away uh, by Khalil Mack. And honestly, that didn't even end up hurting them because Herbert immediately threw a pick afterward. But being able to punch in that score, I, that, that would have been so huge. And it was it was one of those where watching that live. it Red zone happened to be on it during that play. I'm just sitting there yeah, like, go down, go down, go down. You could just tell London was fighting a little too hard, not really being responsible, mm-hmm. holding onto that ball. And it, you know, for a player like Khalil Mack, it, it was kind of a it was a relatively easy strip. Um Open you know for, for a player for of the sure. exactly, exactly. You could just tell, like, just go down, man.
1: Cordero Patterson returned 13 for 44, but the two touches. Uh wasn't really a big part of the passing game, only one target, mm-hmm. but pretty sure, pretty clear timeshare with him and Tyler Algier.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're right. And Algiers, the one who had the long uh, 44-yard run, so his line's going to look a little bit more impressive. But like you said, it was Patterson around the goal line. Um, you know, Chargers' run defense is not great. I-, I thought they they did a decent job on Patterson. Uh, but, you know, on aggregate, still allowed 200-plus yards. But it did take the Chargers, or the, the Falcons, excuse me, 35 carries to get to that 200. So, you, you know, five five 5.7 yards per carry still not fantastic. Um, but the Chargers did just enough here. And, you know, this felt like a game that, due in large part to the injuries and being on the road, you know, they're just on a, they were in a really, really bad spot coming out of the bye, And, um, you know, it's not often you can say this, but the, the chargers are just kind of finding ways to grind out these close games. Like these are normally the games that, that they, you know, kind of they find a way to, to, to bungle yeah. at the end. But yep. I guess yep. when you're playing the Falcons, there's some sort of like competing forces that have to cancel out. Exactly. Exactly. Uh,
1: chargers have to go to San Francisco for the Sunday night game next week. Um, they might be, they almost certainly will be doing it without Mike Williams, who they said mm-hmm. will be at least out four weeks. We're not four weeks in yet. And Keenan Allen had that setback. I don't know when we see Keenan Allen. Next.
2: They <laughs> Is he on even they on the are, roster but... anymore? I, 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 I feel like I don't even think about him anymore. I just assume he's out uh, until yeah. we see him back on the field. Uh, that's going to be an interesting game. I I'm holding off on looking at the lines for this week. You know, we want, we want to yeah. talk about right. that on the XM show. Uh, so make sure you're tuning into that. If you're a serious XM subscriber, but, uh, interested to see. Uh, what that 49ers one will be. I'm sure we'll hit on that tonight.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, before we get the last two of the uh, afternoon slate games, quick note from NFL All Day. NFL All Day is officially is the officially licensed digital collectible of the NFL. It's a whole new way to express your fandom by owning the greatest moments from your favorite players and teams. Each moment on NFL All Day features a limited edition video highlight one of the greatest plays from the NFL's past or present. From OBJ's iconic one-handed catch to Patrick Mahomes' five touchdowns on five straight possessions to Brian Urlacher's 85-yard pick six against the Packers, there's truly a moment on NFL All Day for every fan. And it doesn't stop at being able to own a collection of your favorite moments because NFL All Day rewards collectors for their fandom. You see, NFL All Day collectors have earned once-in-a-lifetime experiences like literally going on stage at the draft to announce draft picks, and meeting some of the biggest names from the 2022 NFL Draft at the NFL Rookie Premiere. What's the best way to get started? Head to NFLAllDay.com to sign up and redeem a free, limited collection, NFL Collectible featuring Patrick Mahomes. Don't miss out on NFL All Day's next-generation fan platform and start unlocking rewards and experiences today. All right, we held off. We were talking through some drudgery games. Let's talk about a fun one. Miami and Chicago. Uh, Yeah. We talked about how Bears games are going to be the ticket to the carnival. They've unlocked Justin Fields, but their defense is also awful, and both those things came to fruition.
2: Yeah, they really did, and it feels like the Bears are just going to be able to find ways to hang around in these games every single week. I mean, we we kind of saw a diminished version of it uh, against Dallas last week, where you know, Dallas kind of put, finally put its foot down, um, you know, defensively later in that game, but. Uh, I mean, the Bears have, have now scored 33, 29, and 32 points over their last three games since that debacle against the Commanders on Thursday night, where they just could not get out of their own way. And it's a completely different offense. It feels like we're seeing an offense that is more tailored to what Justin Fields does well, um, mm-hmm. you know, as evidenced by him literally running for more yards than any quarterback ever uh, on Sunday 178 on 15 carries. That, of course, headlined by the 61 yard touchdown. I, he looks so confident. Um, you know, third downs—it just you just feel like he's always going to find a way to at least be darting towards the sticks and, and find a way to get there. We I mean, ten of sixteen converting third downs uh, were the Bears in this game. I'm sure you saw that clip of you know after one of field scampers for a first down. You know, Mike McDaniel's uh, you know kind of catches him on the sidelines yeah. and looks him in the eye and says, "Stop it! Like, please stop doing this to our defense." <laughs> that was awesome. Um, and as someone who was on the Dolphins, I'm like, I'm saying the same thing. It's like you know that they're generating consistent pressure, but they were pressuring fields as if he couldn't run. It's like, it it feels, it feels like there's, there's a handful of teams that kind of do this. like, did you watch film? Like, do you know that if you come around the backside, he's just going to step up and run easily for this third and six and over and over and over. It just felt like the dolphins were, were kind of overextending on defense and giving him those running lanes. But um, yeah, I mean, fields looks awesome. Uh, I think he's kind of playing a unique brand of football that four or five weeks ago, it felt like either the bears were preventing him from doing that, or he just didn't quite have the confidence, but he looked like Ohio State Justin Fields yesterday.
1: He sure did. He he really did. Uh, the only problem was when he actually threw the ball. That that yeah. He got the three touchdowns. So there were good things that happened. He got sacked twice. He was facing a lot of pressure. Only four point four yards per attempt. Seventeen for one twenty eight for one hundred twenty three yards. So the receiving game wasn't that that prolific at all. Mm. Um, and if you look at you know the other running backs, you know David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert. Their effectiveness was limited there because Fields was a better runner, and you know at least, and he starts off with open space too. He doesn't have to run between the tackles. I think that's also a big thing there. We'll see how teams to this new and improved version of the Bears' offense. Uh, it's a lot more fun. We get to, you know, the Bears host Detroit next week. That could be a super fun game for if you have Fields for sure.
2: Uh yeah. I mean, that could be that could be a game that's played in the 40s. We'll see. It depends how much you trust the. Lions offense and how many guys they end up getting back from injury it kind of feels like they're in the the same zone as the Chargers where you, you just don't really trust that uh, some of those playmakers are going to be back at hundred percent anytime soon but yeah I mean who would have thought you know early on in the season that you know I, I don't think the Bears being at sitting at three and six is all that different from what people expected but the Bears are a legitimately right. fun team to watch like I've, I've kind of done a complete 180 on this yeah. offense that was just yeah. it was grueling I, I compared him to watching a service Academy early in the year uh, they, they've opened things up and they are, they are a really, really fun team. And this was, it was a fun, fun Sunday of games. This was probably number one uh, in terms of the, the games that had the
1: most fun quotient. Yeah. Fun meter. It was definitely higher. Yes. That's for sure. Uh, on the Miami side of things. Once again, they, Miami proved that there's room for both Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle in this town. Uh, both of them were productive. Waddle got the, got one touchdown, five for 85 Hill seven for one forty three and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tyreek Hill. He was, he's, he's shaping up to be maybe an, a fantasy MVP this year because you got him in the late second round. Yeah. He's already over 1,100 yards now, after week nine, for crying out loud.
2: He's averaging eight more yards per game than Cooper Cup was last season. So think yeah. about that. I mean, you know, normally I, I, I did some research on this and, you know, normally the league leader in yards per game will settle in like right around 100 yards, you know, oftentimes mm-hmm. just under that. Tyreek Hill's averaging 122.7. Yards per game. The NFL record is 122.8. Like he's literally on pace to eclipse Calvin Johnson. Uh, you know who had o- over 1,900 receiving yards back in 2012. And you know the Dolphins have not had their buy yet. So you know Tyreek Hill has this huge lead in terms of total yards over Justin Jefferson. That will shrink at some point. But yeah, he's been the best receiver in football. Um, and and week after week, I think the most impressive thing is both he and Waddle continue to be very viable. Like there's no yeah. give and take. Like they they they're both equally important. To this offense, and I believe Tyree Hill's touchdown—I think they said this on the telecast—was only his second red zone target of the entire season.
1: Yeah, that's right. I, there's a lot of games where he gets his yards and doesn't score. Yeah, uh, it's kind of funny, uh, but this time he did. And my, so, as a consequence, Mike Cassiki did very little. Uh, you know, Jeff Wilson got a receiving touchdown, and I think that's one of the other takeaways: is they didn't waste any time getting Wilson involved in this offense. There, he, you know, he got the touchdown. Mm-hmm. Equal number of carries, Raheem Mostert. Wilson knows this offense and they're not afraid to use him.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he looked like their best running back. I thought by far, uh, in terms of the eye test, kind of a, an exact opposite scenario of what we saw with Naheem Hines. You know, he plays three snaps. Yeah. Jeff Wilson played 28 snaps. He, he out Raheem Mostert in this game. You know, he even outsapped uh, the fullback Alec Ingold, who's a big part of that offense as well. So hitting the ground running, not surprising though, uh, you know, given his, his connection to McDaniel in the past.
0: Yeah.
1: There, if, if there's a nit to pick uh, with the Dolphins offense is for the second week in a row, they kind of took their foot off the gas in the fourth quarter. Um, mm-hmm. They had a chance to put the Bears away to and made a horrible throw on fourth. Oh, down. God.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. I almost yeah. wouldn't say they took their foot off the gas. They just they just made some like really questionable decisions. Um, they
1: tried to step on the gas and instead hit the brake. You know, something like that. Yes, the, you're exactly. doing the two foot driving method instead of one foot. Um, yeah. and somehow you st- use left foot to break instead of right foot. to, to, to That accelerate. fourth down
2: to Durham Smythe. I, I just like, I get, you know, if you take the field goal, you only go up six. Um, and you know, against the bears. I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. You know, a team that is that you, you're more worried about getting a field goal than a touchdown. Although mm-hmm. I guess with the, your inability to stop them, um, on Sunday, maybe that changes things, but that play felt doomed to me from the start. Uh, like Tua kind of double clutches Smythe is running wide open. And then like, he looks at Tua. And then looks back and just starts like continuing his his route. And you know, as soon as he turns away, then Tua throws it like it was just off timing. Yeah. It ended up being a bad throw; it was not really catchable. Um, but it, it felt like the play was well schemed; like it was there. Uh, I felt like Tua and Smythe were just never they were never quite on the same page. It was a right. really strange play to watch. And at that point, you're thinking, okay, I mean, Chicago's going to have a chance here. And and finally, uh, we saw the Miami defense step up because the, the Dolphins got the ball back and then immediately went three and out and had to come up with another stop late in this game.
1: Yeah like to be a fly on the wall in the film room for that uh, fourth down play to see them break that down. But yeah, I think you're right. They called timeout before that whole sequence too, to get the right play. (laughs) They first, they did try to do that, get them to jump offside. Oh, they're not going to really run a play. Are they then here comes the offense again after the timeout? Like, Oh, I guess they are. Uh, So yeah, but all in all, I mean, this is a fun offensive machine in Miami that they've built. Uh, And this was a big win for them going to six and three. The whole AFC East is a force to be reckoned with right now. And, I don't think we really truly saw that coming. Uh, Miami hosts Cleveland this upcoming week too.
2: Yeah, Dolphins Bills suddenly kind of an interesting race in the AFC. Obviously, the Dolphins have a win over the Bills. Um, you know, and I, I think I think the Dolphins would probably tell you, hey, we would maybe we'd have one fewer loss uh, if we had our starting quarterback uh, for the entire season. You know, they went through a rough stretch there uh, mm-hmm. after the Tua injury. Um, after the Browns, they get the Texans. You like your chances there, but. Uh, It heats up after that. I mean, the Dolphins finished their schedule at the 49ers, at the Chargers, at the Bills, home for the Packers, at the Patriots, home for the Jets.
1: Yep. Yep. So uh, interesting stretch there for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Packers, another game that on paper is supposed to be easy. They keep losing games that are supposed to be easy, including now at Detroit. They scored nine points all in the second half. Now, some of that's because they kept on turning the ball over at the goal line. Uh, but still, I mean, this is this is just a dreadful team to watch. Awful
2: team to watch. Uh, a team that has just horrendous vibes all over, um, you know, just from, from the top down. Um, you know, just it doesn't look like anybody enjoys playing football on this right. team. They make everything as difficult as possible. I think this was probably the worst game of Aaron Rodgers' career. Uh, which, you know, a guy has not had a lot of bad games, so it's a, it's a small Mm -hmm. sample size, but he's played a lot of football. Um, and you know, I, I, I really think this was his worst game. He cost them this game, bad throws, uh, you know, no accountability as usual, throws the ball uh, off a defender's helmet. And then is, you know, shouting at teammates or coaches on the bench, you know, can't possibly be his fault. Um, but he was, he was just horrific in this game. The second interception, you know, they're targeting, (laughs) they're targeting David Bakhtiari, on a leak out play uh, on a fourth and goal. You know, that's what it's come to for the Packers is you, you have AJ Dillon, who is uh, I, I think maybe the most overrated player in the NFL. He is a disaster. He is not a good running back at all. Um, if you don't feel comfortable pounding him, you know, for a, a fourth and inches from like the one inch line uh, on the goal line, I, that's what it, that's what the Packers offense has come to is you're, you're targeting your injured left tackle on a fourth down. And yeah, I, I went into this week. Yeah, I told you last week, like this is the easiest game remaining on the Packers schedule they are a worse team than the Detroit Lions. Like they are one of the five worst teams in the NFL this season. And I think we just have to accept that. I I I don't think I don't think it's gonna change. I mean, how six straight weeks of no shows at this point. What more do you need to see?
1: Weren't they wasn't their total eleven and a half?
2: Ten and a half or eleven and a half. Yeah. I I, I wanna say it was a little bit lower at, at some books, but um, yeah, I mean it's just a crazy turn, man. I, I mean, they, this yeah. team was three and one. They had beaten the Bucks. Yeah, you know, we felt great about that. Uh, they held on against the Pats, and I mean, just five crushing losses in a row. And it, it feels like each one becomes worse than the previous.
1: It does. It really does. Uh, you know, Dylan got stuffed earlier in that goal line sequence, and I made the comment to uh, yes. Alan Soslowski that he is the NFL version of Ron Dane now. Big Dang. guy at goal line equals doesn't always equal touchdown. <laughs> you know, there's more to it than that. And then just being big,
2: I I, I will not speak ill of Ron Dane. I, I, I will not comment on this. I can't, I can't yeah. do it.
1: Okay. Moving on then. But <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see Aaron Jones was in a walking boot after the game. Not good there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dubs. Rashawn
2: Gary towards weeks. ACL.
1: Yeah. Dubs is out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Christian Watson re-entered the concussion protocol. Yeah. Uh, just an yeah. unmitigated disaster alan Lazard, i didn't have active in a couple weeks because he was questionable coming in and of course he did four of 87 on 10 targets got the touchdown so Mm -hmm. kind of regretting that one there uh although part of the reason i didn't swap him back in because it was that soccer so and that went well so oh well um yeah fair trade-off i suppose some may die so that others may live um i guess is uh, the philosophy there but anyways lion's side i mean it's all not. It's not all wine and roses here. Their offense was pretty dreadful in its own right. Here, Jared Goff, one thirty-seven passing yards, two touchdowns, but one interception. He didn't get sacked, and that to me is mm-hmm. kind of one of the big things we talked about earlier about the Packers. Okay, yeah, that's a good defense, but a game like this, you expect you need them to be a dominating defense, and they weren't that. They haven't been that
2: all year. I mean, that's been the plan. I think for the season was Green Bay winning these games defensively, doing enough mm-hmm. on offense, but the defense leading the way and. Yeah, I mean, losing Gary, obviously, that's not going to help. Eric Stokes was carted off early in this game. Uh, Devondre Campbell, you know, banged up as well. I mean, it's every, everything's falling apart for Green Bay, which also had a ton of penalties in this game, and that, that played a role as well. But uh, I think it's important for the Lions. I don't think the defense is fixed. Yeah, they held the Packers to nine points. I think this is more about the Packers just being a horrendous football team. But, I mean, the Packers still almost had 400 yards of total offense in this game. They were over 50% converting third downs. Uh, it was just just those timely uh, turnovers that I think that that colored this result for for Detroit. So I, I'm not convinced here that all of a sudden their defense has turned a corner. I, I, I don't think I agree. that's going to be the case at all. And interesting test uh, against the Bears team that is you know kind of the opposite of Green Bay in a lot of ways.
1: Exactly. And now and meet and Green Bay gets to host Dallas this upcoming week. So coming on, Green Bay on. might
2: not win another game the rest of the way. I, I don't know where the win comes.
1: Yeah, um, it comes from somewhere because it's the NFL, but still. You know it's it's a, it's a bad bad spot right now. DeAndre Swift didn't play that much. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he got aggravated an injury or just using him back in two for ten. Plus he had a three catches for forty yards. Jamal Williams had the the, the brunt of the workload. Twenty four for eighty one. Mm-hmm. Literally three yards in a cloud of astroturf. I mean it was just ugh.
2: Yeah, you'd like to just see the Lions sit DeAndre Swift. I feel like at this point, like he's yeah. clearly not a hundred percent. I I don't think he's. I mean, he was basically used as their third running back in this mm-hmm. game. He was out snapped by Justin Jackson. Like, what is what is the point of having him active uh, if he's clearly clearly not ready to have anything close to his normal workload? And you know, luckily you have a very capable number two in Jamal Williams. But it, yeah, it, it puts fantasy players in a really weird spot. I, I don't think I'm not comfortable starting Swift at all, y- even though he's active no. um, I- until we see him play I don't I, we're, ask, we're not asking for much here play 25 snaps in a game and then maybe I'll be back in
1: exactly exactly uh yeah the two touchdowns were Shane Zilstra and James Mitchell of uh, course as is the custom uh yep. Monrose St. Brown had nine targets that much to show for it four for 55 nobody else had more than four targets there not really much to say about the Detroit offense
2: no not at all Not at all. Um, yeah, I, again, I I think if you're the lions, you're very lucky to win this game. A a lot of the key indicators would imply that you lose this game like 99% of the time, but yeah, uh, such is life for the Packers right now, they, they will, they will do whatever it takes to find ways to lose. Exactly.
1: One more day game, uh, to talk about, and this was a revenge game, the Kirk cousins, revenge game. Vikings come from behind, beat the commanders 20 to 17. Thanks to Taylor Heineke throwing just a awful interception at the wrong time. Uh, Prior to that, the Commanders had kind of locked down the Vikings a little bit. There, Vikings had an early touchdown, but they uh, they were doing very little offensively to the fourth quarter.
2: Yeah, they really were. I mean, this was a seventeen to seven game at one point in favor of the Commanders, and it felt like they were maybe one stop and score away from kind of putting it out of reach yep. late. But a nice uh, a nice late comeback by Minnesota, like you said, the the Heineke interception. Um, yeah, you know, it kind of felt like karma in some ways for another ball that he threw earlier in this game that absolutely. Should have been picked, threw it into triple yeah. coverage. Uh, the, the the back judge you know, was kind of in perfect position to prevent uh, Minnesota's safety from making a play on the ball. Ends up being uh, a long completion to, to Curtis Samuel instead. Uh, but yeah, extremely poorly timed interception by Heineke. Harrison Smith uh, grabs that one, brings it pretty deep into uh, Washington territory, and all of a sudden it's a tie game. And uh, you know, Washington had one more chance after that. It's 17-17. You're getting the ball back with about seven and a half left. Immediate three and out. Uh, and after that, you know, Minnesota' is just able to put together a long drive uh, to finish it off. But I, you know, it, it did feel like the commanders had had been winning some unsustainable games these last few weeks. Yeah. You know, the way they beat Chicago, the way to beat the Packers, I mean, the Colts was probably the most unlikely of them all. Um, yeah. Overall, somewhat of a letdown by the Vikings. but you know, I, I mean, I, I think they they continue to be one of those teams that, no matter what metric you look at, they are an average football team in every way. but, we're now nine weeks into the year and they have to deserve some sort of credit for continually finding ways to be on the right side of these one score games.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um, and th- I, you know, I, they're not going to be tested too much the rest of the way. Yeah. No. They've got a night nice, like the Eagles. They have a very nice schedule coming up except for this upcoming week, which will be not very nice at, at an angry Buffalo bills team. So we'll see about that. Uh Washington didn't run the ball effectively Robinson 13 for 44 and Gibson 11 for 36 uh Gibson did have two catches I mean this was not a great offensive game for anybody really I mean no Justin Jefferson got his seven for 115 and a touchdown Dalvin Cook got that nice one-handed catch for a touchdown so that salvaged his fancy day uh Cousins wasn't even that great you know he got no. he led him to the game-winning touchdown after the turnover but 265, two touchdowns in the interception. For a while, Washington fans were taunting him after they went ahead 17 to 7. So, mm-hmm. maybe there's something like that. They were doing the you like that chant at him, which is yeah, you know, kind of funny, but uh so uh it, it was pretty amusing to me.
2: Yeah, and we we saw Kirk Cousins kind of reprise that in the locker room afterwards yep. as well. Uh, a lot of good vibes going on around this Vikings team and rightfully so. Uh the interception did come in the end zone just before half took a shot, you know, kind of a one-on-one situation with Justin yeah. Jefferson, um, you know, 50, 50 ball. Normally you'll trust Jefferson to come down with that. Just a really, really nice play, uh, by, by the, yeah. uh, the, the commander's defender there. So kind of tip your cap, but could have been another field goal just before the half for Minnesota. But, uh, overall Vikings are seven and one, man. I mean, they're, they're finding ways. I, I don't think they I don't know if there's anything they're going to do the rest of the way. That's going to win anyone over or say that like, yes, this team is, is better than the Eagles. Um, especially in light of the Eagles, you know, kind of stopping them early in the year. But to me, if you're seven and one and there's no other team that's better than six and two, I, I think they have to be the second best team right now in the NFC by default. I'll, I'll hear arguments for the Dallas Cowboys, but uh, to yeah. me, that, that debate is Cowboys versus Vikings and maybe the 49ers. But the 49ers are four and four at the end of the day. Um, right. You know, they, they have a lot of talent. There's a ton of potential there.
1: But, you know, at some point, the records do mean something. Which. This is a perfect segue to talk about Seattle and Arizona. But before we do that, quick note from our good friends at Monkey Knife Fight. Football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit mashed instantly up to $100. So what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. The Seattle Seahawks are 6 and 3 after beating Arizona at Arizona 31-21 yesterday and you know they're they're leading their division. Uh and they're they're winning these divisional games too. You know, the, earlier in the season they did lose to the Niners, but they've swept Arizona now. Yeah, they have
2: and I I don't think this you know individual game uh you know changes really anything I, I think about Seattle. I think they're the better team. I, I think Arizona, we could all agree, is is kind of a, a broken outfit that I think has some cracks in that foundation. But um you know, you mentioned it in the lead in. Like the Seahawks are six and three at this point. And you know, even I'm just guilty of it, just assuming that the 49ers are the best team in that division. I don't know that they are, man. Seattle's won four out of five. They won four in a row. Uh, they They've toppled the Giants, You know something that only the Dallas Cowboys have been able to do this season. Uh, you know, Beating the same team twice in the span of a month, I don't care if it's Arizona or otherwise, that still means something. Um, and doing it in, in two very different ways uh, means a lot as well. So I, I, it, it's kind of taken me a long time to do a complete reevaluation because I was really down on Seattle coming into this season. But I, we need to accept that this is going to be a playoff team and could very well be the team that ends up emerging in this division.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, they're already over their projected season win total. Yep. They're at six wins already. I mean,
2: yeah, I know. I know they have like an 85% chance or something at this point to make the playoffs. Um, and, and the thing too, is like one of the reasons I, I didn't love Seattle's was I thought they had a really difficult schedule this year, but a lot of those games that looked difficult on paper just don't look that hard anymore. You know, right? Like you're you're home for the Buccaneers. Well, actually, at Germany, uh, for the Buccaneers this week. I I, I kind of like Seattle in that spot. You know, like that looked like a surefire loss coming into the year. Not anymore. You know, you get the Raiders the week after. Raiders are a complete disaster. They just lost to the Jags. You still get two more against the Rams. They don't look scary at all. That might be a bottom five to seven team in the NFL right now. So they they on paper, it looked like they had this really difficult second half schedule and yeah, you still got to play at the Chiefs. You, you got to play the Jets. Those aren't going to be easy. But, um, you know, a lot of those games that look difficult just really aren't anymore. So I think they have a really nice runway here.
1: It's ironic that the Jets game looks harder than many of the other games that they expected to look hard. But, yeah, we'll see. I mean, these some of these teams like the Rams or the Bucks still could find it. I don't know. Um, I, see, uh, I don't, know, I don't thing, know, man. We'll talk rams Bucks momentarily here. But, uh, yeah, Arizona isn't finding it. That's for sure uh Kyler Murray got sacked five times uh they gave up like Noah Fant killed them five for 96 at the 51 yarder tight ends are crushing Arizona this year
2: yeah well and Fant you know a lot of those yards came on one play late in the game where Arizona absolutely needed a stop and immediately Seattle rips off like a 50 yarder uh to Noah Fant and that basically sealed the game you know at that point you get a you get a fresh set of downs they were able to make Arizona burn all their timeouts and um i I think they ended up scoring a touchdown so it didn't really matter but that was the first play of that drive you know at that point it was a three-point lead in favor of seattle you're taking over at your own 15 yard line i mean if you're arizona you feel okay about getting a stop there you still have time to go down maybe tie the game yeah 51 yarder to to fant and at that point you had the defense on its heels and, and the game kind of felt like it was over already
1: exactly exactly there so uh seattle uh they they uh they are on the road at Tampa Bay. Well, it's at Germany, as we alluded to. So another 6:30 a.m. local time game for me. Yay! Love it. Uh, and then uh, Arizona. I mean, they're just they're a mess. They go on the road face the Rams uh, in the afternoon. The afternoon game there uh, next week. So we'll see uh, what happens with them. Uh, I mean, we saw Frank Reich get fired earlier this year. You suggested that Cliff Kingsbury could be a threat to get fired. They're three and six now. They're one and four at home. I mean, they've been yeah. unwatchable at times.
2: Yeah, they really have. They really have. I mean, it it feels like with the Cardinals, it hasn't been as like outright sad as it has been with the Packers, the Bucks or the Rams, where you're just watching You feel like you're watching like a, a JV offense, mm-hmm. um, like the Cardinals are still moving the ball. Uh, they're, they're still putting up a reasonable amount of points, excuse me, on most weeks. But yeah, something is just, you, they're one of those teams that you just have no faith. Like, all right, when you need a big stop or you need a big drive, um, you just don't really feel like they have it. And right. it almost feels like they know they don't have it.
1: Yeah, really bad offensive line play. They got sacked five times by the Seahawks. This is, you know, they got sacked six times by the Seahawks in the first game. So mm-hmm. improvement. Yay. But still pretty, pretty awful uh, setup there for them. All right. Rams and the uh, Bucks. This is a, we almost have Rogers and Brady both scoring nine points on the same day there. Uh, instead, the uh, Brady got the directed this game winning drive made it a palatable day, but 280 yards. You're like, okay, great. They're, they're fixing things. No 58 throws in this game. 58. Uh,
2: it was so, so, so bad. Uh, I mean, the Buccaneers did not deserve to win this game. Obviously the Rams did not either. Uh, it was kind of the, that long, uh, touchdown to Cooper cup felt like that was, that was all it was going to take, uh, in a yeah. game like this. And I mean, the Rams just, just gave Tampa Bay chance after chance, after chance, after chance in that second half. And, I mean, the Bucks started off like these are their drives to begin the second half. Three and out punt, three and out punt, four plays. You go out on downs, six plays, punt, field goal, downs, and then the game winning touchdown. Like there was no momentum at that point. Like you didn't feel like, oh no, Tampa Bay's got the ball back. They're gonna go down and score. Uh, but they did. And you know, they yeah. they got a nice return on that final punt. They're starting at the 40. And finally, I mean, for the first time in feels like five or six weeks, we got a vintage Tom Brady, dink and dunk drive at the end of a game, you know, taking the eight yard outs, getting out of bounds, finding guys in good positions to pick up an extra couple of yards. Uh, But yet again, like I don't, I'm not convinced at all that the bucks figured out anything. This felt almost exactly like their last four or five games have played out. Um, To me, it was more about the Rams just being slightly more inept at the end of this game than the Buccaneers were, because the Buccaneers had like seven chances to go up multiple scores in this game and couldn't even get close. I mean, it almost looked like, I, I don't even know. Like it, it, it just it looked like they were going out there starting each possession just knowing it was going to be a three and out and just going through the yeah. motions punting and put the defense back out there like i yeah i was watching with a friend and i'm like Tampa Bay needs to get either a, a special teams touchdown or a defensive touchdown or they're not winning this game and lo and behold the rams found a way to, to give them that one last chance but yeah. oh man this was so so ugly
1: very ugly and the rams offense was even worse I mean, yeah Stafford got sacked four times. He threw for 165 yards. This week it was Daryl Henderson at the top of the running back carousel. Cam Akers barely played, and when he did, he was the same old Cam Akers—five carries, three yards. Uh, we didn't see Ronnie Rivers in this one. We did see Mark- Malcolm Brown, and that when you're in an opposing team, when I see Malcolm Brown on the field, I feel like that's just a gift. Um, yeah, it's just. Tyler Higby got shut out. Van Jefferson had a hideous <laughs> drop on a crossing pattern. Also, shut out on five targets. Henderson got a target, didn't catch anything. It was if they didn't throw it to Cooper Cup, eh, sorry, kid. Tough break.
2: Yeah, Cup eight, eight catches on nine targets. That was fantastic. I mean, we talked about him just being the ultimate kind of insurance when it comes to fantasy. And he was banged up coming into this game and still finds a way to, to turn in a fantastic line. But um, I mean, Vita Vea wreaked havoc. In this game, the entire afternoon, the Rams had no answer for him. Matthew Stafford, it felt like anytime it was a third and long, he was getting sacked or pressured or throwing the ball away. Um, the Rams, I mean, I, I think they might be they might be worse than the Packers, which is saying a lot. Um, I mean, they just they just look like a team that has like had a talent drain, or yeah. you know, almost almost everybody not named Cooper Cup is like taking a big step back from last year to this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, this this was just such an ugly game to watch. I mean, this would have been Back in September, a game that you circled as like potentially the game of the year in the regular season, and instead I, I just had a, a gross feeling. This was like a, I need to take a shower after watching this type of game. They said on the telecast, Jeff, at one point, the Buccaneers. I, I don't know what they ended up finishing after this game, but coming in, they were five for fifty converting third and eight or and longer on the yeah, season. Yeah, I saw
1: that. Yeah, first I, first like, all, that's I, a lot of that's a lot of third and eights or longer too.
2: But that, that that was my first thought. But I'm like that almost like did I hear that correctly? Five of fifty? That yeah. that is just insane
1: yeah it is it really is and it's indicative of their struggles this year like they' it's not even bad. it's special bad. It's like all time worst bad and that that's that's pretty amazing there. yeah um I swear I'm not you know it's not putting me to sleep. I am just right normally tired this uh, just from everything else. So if I was yawning during that discussion, it had nothing to do with my <laughs> uh, my uh, co-host or the game It's just because I'm tired. but yeah all right, one last game uh Titans and the Chiefs this went to overtime. My big takeaway from this uh, is that the Titans' defense is legit. That this yeah. is, and, and Mike Vrabel is a hell of a coach. There's no way this game should have been anywhere close. You got Malik Willis going five for sixteen for 80 yards, and they they took a lead in the fourth quarter. And arguably, they, you know, felt like disappointed to even go to overtime, let alone mm-hmm. losing overtime.
2: Yeah, this was just kind of like a slightly prettier version of the game we just discussed. Uh, I mean, Kansas City just could not convert anything. It didn't look as ugly as it did watching the Bucks, uh, but you know it, it just felt like you know they, they they would get a first down and then you know, you're like all right here we go big plays coming big plays coming and it just it just yeah. never came um, you know and they, they ended up converting a ton of, th- of of first downs in this game but it all it all felt like they came on early downs so when they would face you know a key third down they wouldn't be able to pick it up um, you know very lucky we the we're the Chiefs to escape this game with a win. Um, I, I think, you know, I did not see this being this close. I, I think I did take the Titans to cover just because the number was so high. But if you, if you said, hey, the Titans are going to lose this game in overtime mm-hmm. and Malik Willis is going to go five of 16 for 80 yards. Uh, you, you you just kind of have to question how that went mm-hmm. down. And it, it just some fluky plays here and there. Um, yeah, obviously, Derrick Henry ran well, especially early on. Um, but it was mm-hmm. like you said, I think the number one takeaway is this Titans defense is really good and really prepared.
1: It is. It is. It's a well coached team. They just don't have enough offensive talent. Uh, You know, Willis, maybe he'll be better someday, but the point, and he did run eight times for 40 yards. So he did give him a dimension that Tannehill doesn't really have, at least not to that degree. Um, He's more of a naked bootleg type of guy, not a design run otherwise sort of type of guy. Uh, Mahomes threw it 68 times in this game. First of all, the Chiefs ran like 70, like 87 plays. I mean, that, that's just insane. But Mahomes is also their leading rusher, 6-for-63 six in the touchdown. Uh, we did sell very little out of Edwards Hilaire, out of Pacheco, out of McKinnon, didn't matter. They None of them did anything. No, not
2: really. I mean, Mahomes is the only one who was able to get anything going on the ground. And you look and say, oh, they averaged 4 yards per carry. It's like, yeah, that's because Mahomes was running for like 12 yards per carry. Uh, he had some huge, huge scrambles in this yeah. game, especially on the, on those later drives uh, in the second half, he ends up running in uh, the the touchdown to tie it and send it to overtime. So he was he was locked in in this game. Um, it, it just felt like they were they were a little off uh, in the passing game. You know, the deep shots that was the biggest thing. The deep shots were not there. No, in this game, they they had the one to I think it was Noah Gray, um, but even that was well defended. Took kind of a circus catch where he bobbles it, repossesses it, and comes down. I believe that was on a third down as well. But yeah, the big uh, you know kind of wind up play action throwing at 60 yards downfield to uh to MVS or juju or whoever those plays were just absent for the yeah, Chiefs and a, a right. lot of the yardage numbers look okay for guys like Kelsey and Juju and Hardman but it was really more about volume I mean it, it really yeah. it, it, it did not resemble the normal Chiefs offense but again at the same time you know this is a game that a, a lot of good teams find ways to lose you, you look at like the way that the bills found a way to lose against the Jets right. like you got to credit the Chiefs for, for finding a way to pull this out
1: yeah, rallying uh, to be able to do so. Yeah. I just think it was a hell of a coaching job by variable. I mean, he, he's such a good coach. I think that, yeah. that's my biggest, biggest takeaway from all that. Um, all right. We had some questions in the forum. Let's hit those up real quick uh, before we sign off today. Uh, we'll go reverse chronological order there. So ja- Jackson says he got offered Ayuk uh, and Wilson for Montgomery. I'm assuming that's Jeff Wilson. Uh, oh, so. Other running backs are Mixon and Pierce, which Mixon's on by this week. Uh, or it could be Zach Wilson or Russell Wilson, I suppose too. Uh, could be Cedric it, Wilson. It could be. It could be. Wil- <laughs> yeah, it could be a lot of different ones there. It could be Cedric the Entertainer. Uh, his QBs are Rogers and Carr PPR. Like I'm thinking it's a quarterback Wilson because of that comment. Okay. So, um, I mean, yeah, I, David Montgomery. He's just a guy right now. Yeah, yeah. And it's sharing with Herbert. So Russell Wilson, by the way, he okay. uh, clarified there. So, yeah, I do this trade. Getting Ayuk for Montgomery. Yeah. And and Russell Wilson is kind of yeah. just throwing on top of that. Yeah, I do it.
2: Yeah, I, I like the Ayuk piece of it as well. That's kind of what I'm targeting. I don't, you know, you said he has Rogers and Carr, right? So I, I think you're throwing in like another underachieving problematic quarterback. Uh if anything, like for me, that would make me worried that I'm I'm like now choosing between three seemingly bad options every right. week and probably never feeling like you're making the right call. But uh, you know, obviously you're not happy with what you're getting from those other two. So uh might as well throw another wild card into the mix, but you might, yeah, might I, even I, drop
1: I, one of them, yeah, for all we know. Yeah, right. I think
2: you probably you probably don't want to be holding all three of those guys. That's a good point.
1: Yeah. Just play the waiver wire in that, if that's the yep. case. You know, the others that spot's too valuable. Raul says, should I trade away Saquon and Judy for Joe Mixon and John, DeAndre Hopkins?
2: Mm. Mm. I, I think that's a relatively fair deal. I mean, the Hopkins to Judy upgrade, like that's big. I, I think that's maybe the bigger. Yeah. Debate here. Um,
1: yeah. I, I yeah, think I... getting Mixon is a downgrade uh, from Saquon, yes. especially because this week Mixon's on by.
2: Yes, that is true. That is true. It depends who you have in the stable for this coming week. I think we only have two teams on by. So you'd like to think you can, you can get through there. Oh, we do it four. Okay.
1: Baltimore, Cincy, P- uh, Pats and Jets. Okay. Okay. Uh, and, gotcha. and keep in mind, Judy's had his bye, Saquon's had his bye, Mixon's has, has his now Hopkins has his later. Yeah. Uh, so they haven't taken their buy yet. So I think that's enough to say no for me.
2: It's right on the line. I, I feel like the, like the gap between Judy and Hopkins to me is pretty big. Like I would mm-hmm. much, much rather have Hopkins. And yeah, there's a gap between Mixon and Barkley. But it, like the thing with Mixon is like the volume has been there. Like obviously he's not going to be ripping off games like he just had against Carolina every yeah. week. But like the volume would imply that that big games should be coming more often than they have been through the first half.
1: Exactly. Let's take one more question before we sign off. Travis says up by one. It's kind of a chances to win, but not really. But okay. uh, this Taysom Hill and Olave outscore Isaiah likely. Is it likely that he outscores likely? Ah, uh, oh, so bad.
2: Well, no, I mean, you, you had to say it. Somebody had to. If you didn't, it was going to be me. Okay. Uh, I would I would say it's likely, right? I, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I think I would if you I had agree. to choose like one guy of that three to have the highest scoring day it would probably be Olave. So, yeah, if we're doing yeah. chances to win, I would say you got like a 70% chance. Yeah, I like it, too.
1: All right. Hey everybody! Thanks for uh, chiming in with questions in the forum and tuning in. Any other things you want to talk about before we sign off, Nick?
2: No, uh, I will say though, it's just it's remarkable how like the Jags winning one game like flips my mood, flips my opinion right. of them. Like I'm now, I'm like consuming all like the post game recaps that I can. I'm like, yeah, you know who's really good actually? Trevor Lawrence. He's a really You're good player. He's going to be a anymore. star. I yeah, like, it, it, yes. it, it it's it's embarrassing for me, but yeah, it flips on a dime. I'm like I'm like now fu- like fully back in. I'm running the numbers. I'm like, yeah, they could maybe they could get a wild card spot.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I like it. I like it a lot there. Good stuff. I'm the same way about the Bengals. So, you know, last week I was despondent. Now I'm like, okay, heading into buy, got some good times. All right. We'll see you in two weeks. Exactly. Uh, Exactly. We'll see you guys next week. And you'll also see, uh, we'll see Jake Letarski and Joe Bartle tomorrow with the Waiver Wire column, uh, our our Waiver Wire uh, podcast. So make sure to tune in for that. Thanks to No House Advantage for their sponsorship. And thank you for listening. Take care.